It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Politics and social media are becoming increasingly intertwined in our political space. And these days, there's one social media app that rules them all, TikTok. And of course, TikTok, owned by a Chinese firm, has come under fire recently with some U.S. officials going so far as to call for the government to ban the social media app. The White House has banned it for its employees. No TikTok on government-owned phones. But President Biden is trying to be cool with the kids and try to get to those younger voters. How's he going to do that? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're pleased to have Caroline Anders on the line with us today. She is a researcher for the Daily 202 and the 5-Minute Fix for the Washington Post. And uh, we know she's really the brains behind it all, but uh, we, we won't tell uh, Olivier and company. But it is a source everybody ought to check out. It's a, it's a great thing to have as part of your day. And Caroline, thanks for joining us on a Friday. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Uh, well, as we as we look at how uh, many of the political candidates try, try to be cool with the kids, of course, TikTok is the cool place to be these days. And uh, President Biden has found that uh, he wants to engage there, but there's also a few uh, few little challenges along the way. Definitely. He's in a little bit of an awkward position. Uh, I mean, if you look at the congressman over the last few years and just other national security types who have been warning about all of the risks of TikTok, especially, you know, its parent company, ByteDance, is based in Beijing, um, has been accused of sharing data with the Chinese government. Um, Biden's in in a little bit of a bind here. He wants to reach TikTok's audience, but also doesn't really want to run afoul of his national security crew. Yeah. And so as as you look at that, um, what is it the president's got to navigate in terms of that? I know there's some challenges. There's no like blanket policy when it comes to TikTok and uh, government offices, but how's the Biden administration navigating that? Sure. So like you said, there's no blanket policy, but a lot of federal agencies um, and the White House have said you can't have TikTok on a government phone. Um, so because the White House itself couldn't make a TikTok account, Biden has taken the route of kind of a backdoor of getting his content out on TikTok by inviting influencers and people making TikTok content to the White House. And then he talks to them and then they kind of spread whatever whatever they take from the conversation. But that's his method right now or the White House press shops method. Yeah, and so as they as they try to navigate and work their way around that, it is a little bit of a tightrope when you've uh, got a policy that says you can't have that on your government phone, but you use the influencers <laughs> to to push all of that out. Uh, how is that playing in other places? Obviously, it's a demographic that uh, I think everybody wants to get to, uh, but how are they actually going to pull that piece off? I mean, I think that's kind of yet to be seen. So if you look at last week, Biden had eight TikTok creators 
He invited them to the White House. Not all of them are news creators. Some of them were, you know, fashion types um, or people in other niches. And he had a conversation with them. Some of them have posted content so far with uh, former President Obama and other content from D.C., but no one has posted anything from that conversation with Biden. And it kind of remains to be seen what they'll do with that, if it'll work. Uh, But the general thought is that it was kind of a get out the vote push, uh, not necessarily a you need to vote for Biden push, but a you need to go to the polls. Mm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing, too, that TikTok itself has put out a lot of things in terms of get out the vote and uh, democracy uh, 2022 and those those kinds of things. Are there other things that are happening or that we're aware of uh, on TikTok in terms of other politicians or others who are kind of pushing the boundaries or exploring that space of how do you get to that demographic and those voters? Definitely. I mean, we've seen a lot of candidates this midterm season just fully embrace TikTok, like John Fetterman, um, Dr. Oz, etc. We've seen a lot of content, a lot of uh, leaning into TikTok and leaning into kind of the Internet culture and the memes and what's funny right now. But if you look at the parties, the Democratic National Committee is the only um, party that has a TikTok account. And Republicans have been much more wary of the platform, have called out the platform for allegedly sharing data with China much more. So we do see, at least right now, there are Republicans using it, but not as many. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So, so aside from the uh, the security component to it, which obviously has national security implications, so they've they got to figure that part out. And there's also this part that you got to figure out that you you can't uh, you can't come across as being out of touch. Trying to you know, it can't be a dad joke moment uh, with the kids. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That's kind of one of the main things Biden and his team have to grapple with right now. And he, we've seen him do it. I mean, he was at the Detroit auto show in September and he's on he's in a clip you just have to watch it I can't do it justice but um, a a creator who asks people driving nice cars what they do for a living asks Biden while he's driving um, an electric Cadillac at the Detroit car auto show what he does for a living living and he starts with well I'm married to Jill Biden um, and also I'm trying to get more electric cars out to Americans or something to that effect so when he does lean into kind of the bits that creators are already doing on TikTok, it seems natural, but he'll have to be um, really aware of that and not get into uh, cringy territory. Yeah. Yeah. The cringe factor, I think, is <laughs> is what you have to be careful of when you're playing with the kids. <laughs> Definitely. You don't want a hello, fellow kids moment. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anything else in your research, Caroline, that uh, – in terms of what we're anticipating, not just over the next few days as we uh, come down the home stretch of the midterms, but things that uh, you think might be worth watching on that platform uh, moving forward from there. 
I think one of the most interesting things to watch is going to be um, some of my colleagues at the Post have done great reporting on the rise of TikTok. And some of that reporting has showed that while half of the user base is really young right now, the platform is trying to attract an older audience and is expecting to see a pretty big bump in that older audience Mm. in the next several months. Um, So that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on because TikTok ate the internet, uh, definitely for the youth, but can it connect with older generations as well? Yeah. And then is there anything interesting uh, from your reporting or from some of your colleagues there? Uh, because TikTok is unique in that it's it's not just you promoting your content. It's really the use of influencers and other people uh, tapping into that content. Uh, anything that changes the dynamic, especially when it comes to the political space? Definitely. I mean, if you're familiar with TikTok, it's so interesting because often the videos that get the most traction aren't from the original person who posted it. So even if the White House did get on TikTok and they posted a video, people might not watch that one as much as they might take the sound from that video and make something funny out of it or something like that. So TikTok is an interesting one to wrangle because you do lose a little bit more control um, over your message there. Oh, I think that's a, a big thing. I think it's going to be one of those uh, high-risk, maybe high-reward, maybe uh, high-drama <laughs> as uh, some of these political folks try to attempt to wrangle it, as you said. Definitely. Definitely could be. Uh, all right. Uh, Caroline Anders, again, researcher for the Daily 202 and the 5-Minute Fix. We appreciate you weighing in on President Biden and TikTok. I don't think anybody got up this morning thinking that was going to be a discussion point today. Uh, but we'll continue to watch that, and uh, we'll continue to follow the Daily 202 and the 5-Minute Fix. A great place to get your day rolling and get perspective uh, on the news in a really smart, smart way. And I know that comes from the researchers. So, uh, Caroline, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's going to be so interesting to see how that continues to play out with TikTok. Two things that really strike me. One, you're very dependent on influencers. And so if you have an influencer that's suddenly pushing your content and then suddenly that influencer does something crazy a la Kanye West or Kyrie Irvin, uh, then what do you do? Do you have to r- rail it all back in? And can you? Uh, I do think it's going to be high risk, maybe high reward, maybe high train wreck drama. Uh, And also just because you will give up a lot of control in terms of your message, uh, it may go sideways really fast. And those are all going to be things that we have to grapple with as we look at social media in our politics. Uh, And to me, the other thing that that leads to is often we are getting people into politics that are more interested in self-promotion than they are in policymaking uh, and things that are actually good for the country. So very interesting dynamics. Uh, We'll see it not only during these last few days of the midterms, Uh, We're going to see it all the way into 2024. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? 
That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.